right, let's go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 24 to get started today. We're going to be continuing our series on using the law lawfully, looking at the Old Testament laws, seeing if they apply to us as Gentiles uh, and believers, and if they do, exactly how do they apply to us as Gentile believers. So we're getting near the end here of our list of all the 600 and something laws that are in the Sefer HaMitzvah, which is the Jewish catalog of all the laws. <clears throat> We're combining them uh, a little bit, and, uh, not going over many of them twice like they do. They go over both the positive and the negative as separate laws. We're combining the positive and the negative together in many cases. But we're almost to the end. <clears throat> Today we're going to try and look at three laws. Maybe we'll get to all three, maybe not. It depends on how quickly we get through these, but these look, these are pretty short, so should be able to get through all three. So the first one's in Deuteronomy 24. We're going to look at the law forbidding corruption of blood. Now, corruption of blood is not a familiar term to us in America because it is outlawed in America. It's prohibited by the Constitution. Corruption of blood is the idea that if a man sins or if a man commits a crime, all of his family members are equally guilty in that crime as the one who committed the crime. So if, if a man, it, it came up a whole lot in feudal time periods. A man would commit a crime and he wouldn't be the only one who would have his lands taken from him, but all of his family members would have their lands and titles taken away from them as well. <clears throat> and that was called corruption of blood. The Bible doesn't use that terminology, but we can see that that was forbidden to the Jews in Deuteronomy 24 and verse number 16. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. And we're not going to look at it, but this comes up again in Jeremiah and then again, I believe it's in Ezekiel, <clears throat> Excuse me, where the Jews had gotten away from this commandment and were not following it and God tells them again, this is the way I want things to, do, to be done. Uh, the phrase used in the prophets is, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So not the, the father dying for the son or the son dying for the father, but the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And so God was very much opposed to this idea of corruption of blood and commanded the Jews not to punish the family members for the crimes of their relatives. Instead, each man was to be accountable for his own actions and not those of others. That seems like common sense to us uh, as Americans in the 21st century, but that's not the way most societies have been governed. The concept of corruption of blood has been a very prominent idea throughout human history. But let's look at the New Testament, see if this applies to us as believers, if we're under this same command. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 16. <clears throat> Matthew 16 and verse 27. <clears throat> so Matthew 16, starting in verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And so this concept of every man having personal accountability for his own works 
is prevalent throughout the New Testament. In fact, it's one of the primary themes of the New Testament. We see it here in Matthew 16. We can see it again in Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, verse number 6. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? Let's talk about God. God will render to every man according to his deeds. And so again, we have this personal accountability. Every man is judged according to what he has done himself, not according to what his family members have done, but what he has done. And then in Revelation 20, going all the way to the end of the New Testament, Revelation 20, verse number 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Excuse me. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And so all throughout the New Testament, from beginning all the way to the end, we constantly see this idea of personal accountability. You can't depend on the good works of your parents or on the salvation of your parents or the righteousness of your parents or other family members and you can't be judged by their wickedness by their sin by their crimes each man is judged according to his own deeds that's what we find all throughout the new testament so this command in the old testament that the jews were forbidden from uh, punishing family members for the crimes of their relatives that still applies to us in the new testament as we see that is based on a principle that God has established for all eternity that every man is judged based on his own actions. So that's the command against corruption of blood. That one went by pretty quick. Any comments or questions on that one? <clears throat> all right, let's move on to the next one. Leviticus chapter 19 is where we'll be. This one is the mockery of handicaps. The Jews were forbidden from mocking those who had physical handicaps. So Leviticus chapter 19. <clears throat> Leviticus 19 and verse 14. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but thou shalt fear thy God, I am the Lord. And this is referring to the idea of getting pleasure out of Say a, a deaf man has walked into the room and you're making fun of him, but you're greeting him with a smile and a pleasant face. And he thinks you're saying nice things about him because he can't hear what you're saying, but you're actually cursing him and uh, talking bad about him, uh, even though he thinks you're saying nice things. Uh, those That's the type of cursing that it's talking about here. The reason I say that is mainly because of the next one. I should not put a stumbling block before the blind. Blind men obviously can't see what's in front of him. And so... You're not to intentionally throw something out in front of him just to make him trip, just so you can get a kick out of it and you know, enjoy watching this blind man stumble over these things that you put in his path. Um, these are in parallel uh, form here in the, in the passage. And with parallelism in, in the Hebrew language, you have the same basic meaning for each one. And so you take the two meanings, the two phrases, put the same basic meaning, which is you don't put some type of... Uh, curse or stumbling block in front of a, a handicapped person so that you can get pleasure out of it. So you're not to mock those who are handicapped. Uh, so that's the Old Testament law. 
Again, that's something that seems to make sense to us, uh, but let's see if the New Testament actually shows us that we're under this same kind of a command as Gentile believers. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter number 2. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 2 will be in verse 17. So in the New Testament, and I've only got two verses that have pulled out here, but we could look at several others. But these kinds of actions, this mocking of handicapped people uh, because of their handicap, this, these type of actions are forbidden to Christians because we are commanded to honor and respect all men, not just those that are like us and those that we like and appreciate, but we're to honor and respect all men. Verse uh, 17 here in 1 Peter 2, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And then let's go to Philippians chapter 2. <clears throat> A few books back here, Philippians chapter 2. Verse number 3, Philippians 2, verse number 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So if a deaf man has entered the room and you're esteeming him to better than yourself, then you're going to do everything you can to accommodate him with his handicap. Rather than making fun of his handicap, you're going to do everything you can to help him overcome it, to make sure that no one else is making fun of his handicap because he is a better man than you are. And so you're going to act as his servant. Same thing with the blind man. Blind man comes into the room. He can't see all the obstacles. You're going to warn him about things, move things out of his path, open the door for him. Make sure that his path through that, that room and, and through your life is going to be as hassle-free as possible because he's your better. He's someone that's better than you and you're wanting to to be his servant and take care of him, make sure uh, his life is improved by being near you. Now, we shouldn't just have that idea towards people that are handicapped, but we should have that idea towards everyone, uh, even those that get under our skin sometimes. We should still have that attitude uh, towards them, where they are our betters and we are to serve them, and that is our purpose. So in the New Testament, as New Testament Gentile believers, we also have this same uh, command on us that we're not to mock and make fun of the handicap. We're not to uh, put obstacles in their path, make their life hard for, for our benefit, but we're to, instead to make their life easier and do everything we can to help them. So that's the second one. We're flying through these. No problem. I probably could have put a fourth one in. Uh, <clears throat> any comments or questions on that one? Pretty common sense, not anything controversial there. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Leviticus 19 again. And this is the command against gossip. Leviticus 19. And we'll be in verse number 16. <clears throat> Leviticus 19, verse 16. 
Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Okay, so here we have the prohibition against gossiping. That's talebearing. You hear something and you go and spread it to everyone else and all your friends so that they can know these uh, juicy secrets about this uh, person that you're gossiping about. Uh, the Jews were forbidden from doing that, and you can see all throughout the Old Testament there's constant negative references to talebearers, a lot of those in Proverbs. Talk about the, the talebearer uh, spreading strife and mischief and things like that. So uh, very strongly condemned in the Old Testament. Now the word talebearer or the word gossip do not appear in the New Testament. So when we go to the New Testament application of this, uh, we can't look for just those. But there is another word that's very similar. And let's start in Proverbs 16 to find out where this word uh, fits in the Jewish concept of gossip. And then we'll go to the New Testament. So Proverbs chapter 16. <clears throat> Proverbs 16 and verse 28. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. And this is talking about someone that, that goes around and whispers negative things that he hears about these people and causes strife between people that otherwise would be friends. But this person going around spreading gossip about one or, the, or both of them and breaks up that friendship and separates these friends. So the whisperer is the same type of person as the talebearer. And let's go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and see what the New Testament has to say about a whisperer. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 20. And this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth about his plans to come and visit them again. He says, For I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that I shall be found unto you such as you would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbitings, whisperings, swellings, tumults. And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and that I shall be well. Many which have sinned already and have not repented of the uncleanness and fornication and lasciviousness which they have committed. And, of course, you know, Corinth was just full of all kinds of problems. Uh, the church there was full of all kinds of problems. And Paul, both First and Second Corinthians are Basically, Paul just dealing with one problem after another problem after another problem uh, throughout both books. <clears throat> but here he mentions one of their problems, and uh, one of the things that he uh, was afraid would get out of hand and, and cause problems between him and the, the church, and that was whisperings. This is the idea of spreading gossip, uh, finding out something about someone, whether it's true or not, and then going and whispering it uh, to other people and spreading a rumor. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 29, and we can see this word come up again. <clears throat> All right, so Romans 1 and verse 29. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. So it goes on talk about it. Uh, more categories of sin there, but one of those categories of sin was the whisperer. And so we can see in the New Testament this idea of gossip is uh, pretty strongly condemned in the New Testament. So we need to make sure that we avoid that as Gentile believers also. And then another term that is used for gossip instead of just tail-bearing and whisperer, uh, you also have the idea of slander, and that is also condemned in the New Testament. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 11. Now this one's specifically talking about women. And I don't know why God didn't give an additional New Testament verse about slandering for men, but he chose not to. Now, it's not that we needed it. We should, the condemnations throughout the Old Testament for tail-bearing and then whispering in the New Testament. All that should be enough for us to get the idea. But just in case the women didn't get the idea, God threw this in also uh, for the wives of the deacons. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Okay, and so here we have this idea of spreading slander about someone, speaking uh, something about them that's not false and doing it with malicious intent in order to harm them. That's what slander is. And so God says that the, the wives of the deacons are not to be slanderers. Now we could draw principles from other verses and see that men are not to do that either, but here it's just stated nice and uh, clearly and concisely that uh, slander is something that's negative and that we should avoid. So in the New Testament, just like in the Old Testament, all the different types of gossip uh, with this whispering idea or with slander, uh, it's all condemned. And so this Old Testament command that was given to the Jews is also something that applies to us as New Testament Gentile believers. So that's the three, and we finished with plenty of time left. I probably should have thrown in another one. We'll go ahead and stop there. Any comments or questions on those? First Timothy five thirteen. Yeah, for the um, the women, the older women teaching the younger women um, with all they are notice is a condemnation of the widows. This widows um, with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, not only idle but tattlers also and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. So yes, that would apply uh, very much under the concept of gossiping. Probably should have given this one to my wife. She's teaching the ladies class over there. <laughs> Anything else? It's not too late. You can take that one over now. Yeah, I can write it. <laughs> I want to go home tonight. <laughs> Any other comments? All right. Hey, I want to point out something really interesting. Uh, has nothing to do with the lesson, but since we have extra time, turn to Psalm 139. It's just something I noticed this morning. 
Psalm 139 and verse 23. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you'll see this in my Facebook status this morning. So, uh, but Psalm 129 or 139, 23 and 24, very familiar passage. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Have you ever read the verses before that and compared them to Psalm 23 and 24? Start at verse 19. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee. I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. And then he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Uh, so we have this idea in American Christianity that you're never supposed to, to hate anyone or speak harshly against anyone. You're always supposed to love everybody. And this, we have this whole lovey-dovey Christianity thing. But that's obviously not the type of faith that David had. Uh, he saw people that were enemies of God. And you, we're not just talking about necessarily someone that sins. You know, you have the uh, <clears throat> various sins that were sent, uh, committed, I guess, you wouldn't say they were committed uh, unwillingly, but they weren't committed out of anger and hatred toward God. But then you have other people that literally hate God, uh, and I come across them all the time for some reason, uh, but have a strong hatred for God. And David's attitude toward them was, I hate them with a perfect hatred. And then he says, search me, O God, and make sure there's, there's not any wicked way in me after saying that he hates them with a perfect hatred. So obviously that idea of hating them with a perfect hatred, perfect meaning you know, complete, total, there is no uh, give in this hatred. Uh, that was compatible with him having a, a clean heart before God. And it's something we don't often think of in American Christianity because you know, we're so lovey-dovey now and so emotional and you know, we want everyone to come in and have a good time. Uh, but you, know, you have... God himself saying that he hates the wicked many times uh, throughout Scripture. And it, it goes very contrary to what we think of as how Christians should act, but it's still something we see in the Bible. Not something we should have toward everyone, but there are those people that we should have the same hatred toward them that God has toward them because we're to be uh, as close to God as we can be. And we're never going to be exactly like God, but he is conforming us to be in the image of Christ. And we're to have that that kind of a hatred toward those people that actually hate God and count them as our enemies and not count them as brothers that we can get along with and we just have slight disagreements with. So, anyway, that's just something we have that's that to think hate. about. We have that no doubt. I mean, we have that hate. Mm -hmm. However, you know, that's where it comes to let God, let God be the judge. Right. Let God be the judge. Yes. That's, not that's where, not to that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Yes. <laughs> yes. In spite of, in spite of, the hatred towards God's enemies. We're not to seek vengeance because vengeance belongs to the Lord. And so there's a very difficult balancing act there that you have to maintain. I think the times in which we live in these politically corrupt atmosphere where it, you know you get chastised for pointing out sin or 
hating sin, you know, that's in the world, pointing it out in other people, in people's lifestyle, and um, that you're more apt to be condemned by them right. for speaking out against sinful behavior or sinful lifestyle right. or um, anything that, you know, contrary to, you know, accepting anything and everything about everybody, you know. Yep. It's just kind of the whole thing's kind of flipped backwards. Yeah. Yeah, and of course they hate us openly, and oh, no yeah. one complains yeah. about it. No yeah. one condemns them. And, you're you're yeah. absolutely right. They're, uh, you know, they're hypocritical, where you're supposed to love them, but they hate you. Right. Yep. Yeah. And where it really, where I see it a whole lot is in abortion debates. Um, there are people out there that, I, mean, I don't know if you've seen some of the videos or the pictures, or, but they'll cover themselves in blood and you know, say, I, I love abortion because I like killing people. I mean, there are some vile people out there who are very, not just that they think every woman should have a choice and she has a difficult situation, so like that. No, they think that babies should be aborted and they love it, they enjoy it. There's a big thing about uh, eating the aborted child and cooking it and eating it. I mean, it's, it's, it's vile. And uh, I, when I come across people like that, I don't have any quarter or give any quarter. I just, it's no holds barred. I'm going to destroy that person every way I can publicly. And, uh, obviously, I'm not going to you know, physically attack them unless they're attacking me, but but in, in discussions online, where they're proclaiming that kind of garbage and saying it's good, I'm going to go after them as much as I can. Because I, I hate those people. They, ha they hate God. They're destroying people, killing people, and reveling in it. Yeah, they, they don't just need to be hated. They actually need to be killed. Unfortunately, our law won't let us do that. But they need to be put to death as murderers, which is what they are. So anyway, it's it's a it's a hard uh, thing to say nowadays in American Christianity, but it is biblical. And, uh, sometimes I think we get a little too weak kneed and a little too scared of stepping on toes to do the job that needs to be done. Anyway, we've got a few minutes left, but uh, we'll go ahead and dismiss early. Uh, Brother Ramon, why don't you dismiss us in prayer? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word for this day. We thank you for the blessings you've given us.